It's time for the Ron and Brian podcast. Get ready to fill your ears with the latest news, politics, current events, and whatever else we feel like talking about this week. And now, your hosts, Ron and Brian. And welcome to episode one of the Ron and Brian podcast. I am Ron, and on the other side of the microphone, it's me, Brian. Welcome to episode 50 of the Ron and Brian podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 69 of the Ron and Brian podcast. Episode 100, it's episode 150 of the Ron and Brian podcast. You and me here for episode number 200, Brian. And now it's time for the ones in a lifetime experience. It's the 250th episode of the Ron and Brian podcast. Appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate it. Brian, uh, you look great tonight. Uh, As always. uh, Always. Thank you. Thank you. No. Thank you, folks. Thank you. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ron, um, Ron, Ron, yes. before we start, just uh, our lawyers, um, our fine lawyers did reach out and said to us, now that we've hit 250, now that we've hit the gold tier of all podcasts, we do need to make this legal disclaimer at the top of the show, all right, which I am going to read now. All right. The performance you are about to watch is meant for entertainment purposes only. It should not be seen as a model for real-life podcasting encounters. We recommend honest, clear, and ongoing communication with your podcasting partner before any podcasting encounters. All podcasters in this show are consenting adults who follow specific podcasting industry regulations. Please have fun, respect each other, and practice safe podcasting. All right, getting Thank you, episode Ron. 250 off on the right foot. Um, it's been five years almost in the making, Brian. Uh, a little retrospective uh, there in the beginning. Um, yeah, our first year was uh, was a mix of just really bad audio, it would seem. What I found amazing was how um, it took me so long to realize that I needed to buy a Mac. That when you look back at the first, I'm going to say, you said year, and I think you're being generous. I think you (laughs) are, um, I think you are are giving me a little too much credit um, because I stuck with a Windows PC. Um, I mean, let's go, I mean, we're talking, we're going back into history, folks. Going back into history. Um, How many episodes did you have to um, edit my audio? I mean, this was... This was all the way back before we were doing video. How many episodes did you have to cut and paste my audio so that it would be in line with yours? Because your Mac was recording in real time and my PC was recording at a speed not equal to real time. It was uh, it, there was some work there. And uh, you had some uh, microphone spikes, if I remember. Oh, had the microphone spikes. Um, and then I remember the dreaded um, Windows updates. Remember the yeah. dreaded Windows updates where I would use my laptop maybe, you know, once or twice a week because um, I, I, I love my desktop, love my desktop computer. But we would um, we uh, 
Yes, that's absolutely correct, Billy. That is correct. Ron did the editing. This was before we could afford Matt. Right. You know, thanks to your Patreon contributions, we've been able to hire Matt Beaker as our producer. He's supposed to come on the show later on. We have not um, uh, uh, seen him in the waiting room yet. Um, we're hoping that he signs on. Um, I know that we did send him money this past weekend. Right. Um, uh, for, uh, you know, the work that he's done in March. Hopefully he hasn't blown it all and on a uh, cocaine binge. Um, but I remember I would take my laptop out right before we would record, turn it on, and it would automatically just default and go into a Windows update that would just not not get out. And I would have to call you sweating, panicking. <laughs> Panic. Um because my dad would be standing over my shoulder. He's like, what's wrong? Anything I can do? Maybe I'm like, dad, you do not understand Windows updates. Like, <laughs> you're not going to help me here. And uh, I just, it was a rough time for me. And then finally, uh, I don't remember in what words you use, but I know that when it comes to your soothing um, voice, it's it's a voice of trust. It, um, it's a voice of honor. And when you, I think you said to me at some point, just get a Mac, you dumb idiot. And then I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to go get a Mac. And uh, all of our problems poof, disappeared. It was well, perfect. What's also interesting is we, you know, we're, we're live tonight and, you know, we've been live for probably only about, uh, probably about 100, 120 episodes. So the funny thing about the earlier ones, there was nothing stopping us from like re-recording an episode uh, if it was bad audio. But we, being the true artists that we are, felt that we needed to get the raw material out there um, regardless of, you know, it, it was, it was the stuff that came from our hearts. And so, sure. um, you know, we, we could have, uh, we could have fixed it. I mean, you know, we, I did what I could, but uh, yeah, there, there was some, you go back and there's some, there's some clunkers there, but I yeah. feel like we've really uh, at episode 250 hit our stride and we're ready sure. uh, to just create even better content for the next 250 episodes. I feel like this episode is not only going to be a celebration of our past, but I believe it's also going to be a celebration of our future. And don't forget, um, this is a two-hour mega episode. Normally, you're used to just one hour, but tonight... We're giving you double the amount of entertainment for the same cost. Um, we have people that have sent us congratulatory videos over the yep. past week. Should we start off by playing one, Brian? Uh, I think why not? All right. I think this is a uh, great idea. All right. This is WWE Hall of Famer Tito Santana just sitting here relaxing, but... I've got to give a shout out to Brian and Ron. They run a podcast called the Ron and Brian podcast. And I want to congratulate you guys. 250th episode completed. There's got to be a reason why you have been on for so long. I want to congratulate you myself. You must know your stuff. You've got to be real, really, really good at wrestling history. I also want to thank you for being a professional wrestling fan, especially a Tito Santana fan. So, Brian, you are the champ. 
Tito Santana is the next champion. You are the current champ, my friend. 250 episodes. You must have a good partner. Keep going. I will be listening to you guys. You're the best. Arriba! Arriba! All right. Thank you. Arriba! Uh, thank you, Tito, former uh, WWF Intercontinental Champion, Tag Team Champion, um, man who doesn't care where he's holding his phone when he records his cameo. A lot of, lot of space above his head. That's my only comment. What are you talking about? That's the only comment? Well, and and the fact that I, you know, personally, I was a uh, I was a, a Greg the Hammer Valentine fan. That's all I'm going to say. Nice. Uh, Tito Santana, um, but- 69 years old. Nice. I also would have to start to talk about Tito's um, mental facilities. Um, when he mentioned my name first before yours, um, that's the um, that was a part where I I was a little surprised, um, a little disappointed. Why would you know? We know everybody knows that it's the Ron and Brian podcast. Well, I feel like maybe he knows you are the champ. Maybe he was fed certain information. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, we we appreciate it. I, I do enjoy uh, all of the people that have reached out and said, boy, uh, the fact that you have done 250 episodes, how is it you've managed to keep going for 250 episodes? And uh, you want to know the secret of that? You, you just keep paying the monthly bill for uh, your hosting, and uh, you can very easily do 250 yeah, but it's also, I mean, anybody could do 250 episodes, but to reach our level of fame, I mean, the weekly downloads are are, are just staggering. Um, the streams on YouTube are thunderous. Um, no, nah, that's really not the good word. Um, but uh, to have a, uh, a Hall of Famer like Tito Santana, um, or as uh, Roddy Piper used to call him, Chico Santana, um, you know, to have him spend, um, you know, some part of his day to think about us uh, and set aside to say, hey, I want to check in and I want to congratulate Ron and Brian for their 250th episode. I mean, there's no there's not a dollar amount that you could spend that would buy a minute and a half of Tito Santana's uh, time. Um, I mean, uh, that time is priceless. You can't put a dollar value. Allie here uh, pointed out that also uh, you should have not been listed. She says the challenger always gets announced first. Um, That hurts a little bit. I'm not going to lie. It's it's uh, it's kind of a kind of a backhanded uh, comment. That's all right. See, I thought that she was calling. We're pointing out that um, that I was the champion. Well, she's saying the challenger usually gets introduced first. Yet so it's the Ryan Brian show, the Ryan and Brian show. Oh, show. oh so you're the challenger. Right, oh, now right. I get it. Yes, you get it. Thank you, I Ali. Don't have the now title I get belt. it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine. Well, Brian, uh, let's keep moving along with this uh, this very special show. Uh, it's a uh, this is a bit that we started. I want to say probably within the first four or five episodes, uh, way back when in 2018, and that is, of course, drink of the week. Drink of the week. Nazdrovia. Salud. Drink of the week. Trancha. Who's? Drink of the week. Drink of the week. Drink of the week. So, Brian, this being our 250th episode, what are you drinking? 
What am I drinking? Oh, I'm drinking something called Glen Levitt 12 a year. Hold on. Before we start talking about how sloppy Brian's going to get this week, he's going to get sloppy. Ron, this is not only one of my favorite 12-year single malts. This is actually my second favorite, but it happens to be the one that I have on my bar right now. It is one of the most famous single malts in the world. The Glenlivet 12-year has a soft, smooth balance of sweet summer fruits and the floral notes of spring flowers. Oft dry malted barley and light toffee smells <sighs> greet the olfactory scents along with flowery fragrances of heather, rose petal, and pine. Entry requires features sweet grain and candied apricot tastes. The mid palate is mellow, malty, and fruity. White raisins and apricots? And sophisticated. And then it ends on a buttery note. Having been barreled in American and American oaks and European oaks for 12 years, Ron, this is the Glenlivet 12-year single malt double oak. Mm, that is a uh, that is an impressive looking bottle. I know it's delicious. I've had some myself. Oh, this is good. You're liking it? Oh, I mean, you're going for a mm. second sip. Oh, so good. Um, Ron? Yes. What are you drinking? So, Brian, I I went into the beer cellar today and I picked up something uh, very special. This is McKellar Black Buffalo. This is a uh, it's a stout ale aged in bourbon barrels not only aged in bourbon barrels brian but this has been cellared in my basement for over 10 years now i've held on to this for a very special occasion and i decided that uh tonight was that occasion not a cheap bottle this bottle 24 dollars for a 16 ounce bottle back in 2012 it clocked in excuse me a 12.7 fluid ounce bottle not even 16 so back in 2012, this clocked in at 19.3% alcohol. I'm sure it has only gotten stronger over the years. Uh, McKellar bottled this at the Prof Brouwer in Belgium. Um, it is, uh, I, I had one when I first bought it. I got two bottles. So it was a very complex beer back then uh, with a, a pretty strong bourbon uh, aftertaste. Um, look at that dark as night. Um, with uh, still a good amount of carbonation. I worried that I might have cellared this too long. We will find out momentarily. As he takes his first sip, everybody is on the edge of their seats. He is grimacing. That is not a good look. That, that is not a good look. That is strong. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, I mean, it's tasty. Don't get me wrong. But there is a very strong, uh, That's that's got to be over 25% alcohol content now. That, you're, that is you're, just pure alcohol right now. And you're telling me you've had that beer cellared for 10 years? 10 years it's been cellared. Accidentally, I meant to age it for like three or four years. And then I forget sure. it was down there. And I was like, oh, I'll save it for a special occasion. And I said, you know what a special occasion is? Ron and Brian's 250th episode. That's a special occasion. Oh, Ron, I, you know what? I am truly honored. I am truly honored. Um, we, You know what? We're going to be answering questions throughout this week. So plug in all your questions. We want to answer them. Uh, Allie asks, at what point did the songs for segments get introduced? Hmm. I'm trying to think back on that. So I think Beef of the Week was the very first one we did. Mm -hmm. And we and we actually introduced that when we introduced Beef of the Week, which we'll, we'll do in a moment. But that 
I think we we came up with beef of the week probably ten to fifteen episodes in, mm-hmm. um, and that one we actually did the music right when we introduced the bit, and right. that one actually survived a vote. We we asked the listeners at one point if they wanted us to get rid of beef right. of the week, uh, and people uh, kept it alive with a uh, with a vote, and then eventually I, I just we just started doing more. Uh, more uh, segment songs and drink of the week being next. Um, I don't think we ever came up with a, a bumper for this week in race. Oh no, we did have a this week in racism bumper. This we're going to get to this, put a pin in this week in racism. We're going to talk about that. Cause that was a bit that um, it had legs. It did. It did have legs, but it had some, it, its legs were, were uh, very uncomfortable. Let's yes. put it that way. But that um, way. But, uh, uh, you know, we, we, we were just talking about drink of the week. And what I remember specifically is the evolution of drink of the week. Um, we have, um, you know, back in the early days of the podcast, when we first started doing drink of the week, what we would do is we would do a Facebook poll. We would do a Twitter poll. Right. Um, and then I would play with my poll. <laughs> hey Um and we would list two different drinks and we would have our um, our fans would vote on which drink we should make. And I believe at one point, um, if a drink got voted down a certain number of times, it got kicked out. Or was that racist of the week? Uh, no, we would if a, we, a drink lost three weeks in a row, we'd kick it out of the contest. We would kick it out. And what I remember specifically now, keep in mind. Um, you know, uh, I have, I have been called cheap at certain times and my, um, I, I, I prefer the word, the term frugal, frugal, um, in the sense of, I know there are certain areas of my life where I do not like spending a lot of money. And there are certain areas of my life where I say the money I've saved on this side, I now can be extravagant here. Let, yeah, let's go and, and get a wrestling belt. <laughs> A frugal man would not have bought a wrestling belt. True. Um, but I, what, what I remember getting very frustrated, and this is where I know you start to take life too seriously. Um, I remember being frustrated at the number of ingredients I would have to go out and buy the um, day of the podcast. If I remember, we were recording on a Monday or Tuesday regularly. It was a, it was a Monday at that point, yeah. It was a Monday at that point, and um, I remember just getting so pissed off because, um, you know, the voting on it was quite often the voting was very tight. Yes. So you didn't know until about maybe three o'clock on Monday, which was going to be the drink of the week. And um, I would I always found myself having to run out on Monday after I got out of work to like four different stores trying to find the stupid ingredients. And then I would never use it again. I would literally just start throwing out, you know, bottles of ginger beer and um, uh, elderflower uh, liqueur, just just disgusting. Well, and I, and shit. I think that was due to the fact that I would always, you know, we would each pick a drink to be voted on, and I consistently uh, brought cocktails to the table that I knew you would dislike. And I think our fans picked up on the fact that um, you hated a lot of these cocktails sure. and the ingredients, and that is typically why they would be voted on for us to drink. I think the one that had uh, the Saint Germain, the elderflower liqueur, and also egg white inside of it. Oh, I think may have been um, if 
if I remember, that one was a punishment. Yes. I remember specifically you, um, there was one week where I did not follow through on something I was supposed to. I do not remember specifically what it was. Um, it might have been part of Drink of the Week and whatnot, but as a punishment, um, you put up a poll of which two beverages was Brian going to have to drink the following episode. And uh, I remember it just being absolutely disgusting. Uh, a few more questions coming out here. Uh, Billy's asking me, is the beer getting easier to drink with each sip? And, and the answer is no. It, it is actually getting much more difficult. It is, uh, it's like I said, it is, uh, it's, it's grain alcohol at this point. I sell it way too long. But again, we, we finish the beers regardless. Um, Allie asking if we're going to have any throwback segments tonight. Um, not tonight. We'll, we'll, we'll reminisce. Uh, but five years, our five-year anniversary is coming up in a couple months. Maybe we'll do some throwback segments for that episode. See, to me, I take it, I've always taken it as once a bit is retired, it's retired. And speaking of retired bits, this week in racism, um, I felt that that was a bit that had that evolved in so many different ways and directions. And really, I think for a period of time was reaching pure genius. And um, uh, you want to tell people, walk people through the well, history of this week in racism? So it started and I, I think what's what gave us the idea. I think Barbecue Becky was the, the person that gave us the initial idea. Uh, sure. The woman that that called the police on a on a group of uh, of black people just having a barbecue in a public park, and so it, it started off kind of I guess on a on a lighter tone where we would you know we would find you know two horribly racist uh, white people for that sure. week that would get some sort of nickname in the media, and then we would we would uh, we would have the uh, the guest vote on them. Um, and then at the end of the year, we held our racism madness tournament where we'd uh, we get uh, 32 racists from the year sure. to go up against one another um, and, and crown a crown a racist of the year. See, for me, the beef for me, the um, the racist of the week, I that bit, I think, really um, took off when yes. we when we should develop the ability. And this was some of the earliest Patreon money. Um you know, show, you know, we wanted to show people the investing was when we acquired the technology to play audio clips. And when, when we were able to, during races of races of the week, play the two audio clips, um, it really elevated the bit because instead of having you walk through a awful story, you got to hear the audio of the racist white person using such vile language. And I remember in the beginning of the bit, I really got a kick out of it. I, you know, and I know that it was, um, it was dual purpose. It was to shine a light on awful um, racist behavior, but there was also something enjoyable for me as somebody who enjoys chaos of just being, of just listening to some of the most, um, uh, ludicrously stupid comments that people would make. Right. Um, and, uh, and then I personally, I love the voting. And if I remember correctly, um, uh, if people won five weeks in a row, they were automatically grandfathered into our um, racist of the year bracket um, challenge. They were given uh, the number one seed and, and retired sure. and, and sent into the mix. Yeah. When we would put together our races of the year, it was um, a special time. It was a great episode because you got to play everything. Um, 
And, uh, and, and what I do remember was it's, you know, after a while, when I say after a while, I mean, uh, the first 18 years of that bit, it was going strong, just, just strong. But then eventually it started to, um, and this is really a testament of America was that the, it was that you started to shorten the amount of time spent on each racist, uh, instead of just highlighting two, we would feature just horrible stories that happened, right. you know, during that week. But the bit actually started to take up more and more of the show to the point that I remember, you know, it it would hit a point where it was regularly taking up 10, 15 minutes of the show. Was you just um, absolutely I do miss it. I remember sitting there being like, Janelle, what do you got? And she would just put 758. I'd be like, under eight minutes. Well, um, and what what also happened, you know, is when after the George Floyd murder occurred, like it it, it uh I think that really shifted our thoughts on the segment, like we had kind of joked sure. around previously. And uh it just yeah, it got and it, I don't know about you, but having to read through each and every story, like was, I mean, there was there was weeks where there'd be eight, ten, twelve stories, and it's it, not it, more. It gets you after a while. So we we decided to uh, to retire that and 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 focus uh, focus on some other areas in the podcast while still remaining um, anti-racist in our private lives. No, um, Billy wants to know if we're going to bring back Jean Kramer. No, she was hope, she was a classic. Let's hope she's riding in hell. Um, it, it really did get depressing, and and you were the one who had to research it, type it up, write it. Um, edit it, uh, read it, but mm-hmm. I had to sit there and just listen. So I was, I, I, I was able for that, for, for those 12 uncomfortable minutes, put myself in the ears and the mindset of, um, of a, of a Ron and Brian podcast fan. And I just sat there and said, this is starting to get truly depressing. Like there's no entertainment or, 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 or value here. This is, this is truly just making me unhappy. Um, and then we retired it, and, and I would I would vote not to ever bring back this week in racism. All right, well we'll have a, we'll have discussions on that in the coming weeks. Uh, but speaking of bits that run, ha- yes, I'm the champion. Ah, you're right. I'm 51 percent owner, Chico, and you are not telling me what bits we're bringing back <laughs> until the earliest February of 2024. That's a fair statement, Uh, but a bit we do still have in place here, of course, it's Beef of the Week. Ron and Brian's Beef of the Week. And still, I think, the best intro music we've done. I think the Beef of the Week... Uh, personally again personally for me um it's the best for a long intro bit yes to me hot podcaster summer is my personal favorite hot podcaster summer i can't help it every time i hear uh, (laughs) i visualize you absolutely naked on all fours and by the way hairless i cannot say like from the neck down not one piece of body hair just looking back over your shoulder and just saying like i've been a bad boy and somebody needs to spank me like i visualize that whenever i in fact and not to be not just to show people literally how weird i am I asked you to literally just send me that as an MP3, <laughs> just like that, no, just true. that, just so I could hear that on my phone when I need it. 
Uh, but so Brian, beef of the week is a classic bit. Yes. And what is, Brian, your beef of the week? Okay, my beef of the week, uh, Bergen County, New Jersey. New Jersey, okay. I found myself in the very uncomfortable position of being in Bergen County, New Jersey over this weekend, um, namely today, because um, it's Sunday that we're recording this right now for those not watching live. We're listening to it live for nobody can actually listen to this live. You're only no, listening to the audio portion of Correct. it. All right. So um, I was in there. And what I discovered while doing some shopping in Bergen County is that they still have something called a, a blue law, mm, which prevents alcohol, you. Oh, no, Ron. This is even worse. And if I had had maybe if I were drinking a little bit um, higher content alcohol right now, I would use the R slur, but I'm not going to because I won't. Okay. But well, Bergen County, you are R slurred. And I'll tell you why. Because on Sundays, you have a law on the books that forbids the sale of clothing, furniture, appliances, and building materials on Sundays. That makes no sense whatsoever. Ron, you want to buy some beer? Go for it. <laughs> Ron, you want to be in Bergen County on a, on a Sunday and buy yourself uh, some uh, uh, 24 ounces of uh, uh, Sapporo? Go for it. You want to buy yourself a bottle of whiskey? Go for it. Knock yourself out. You want to buy yourself some weed in New Jersey? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know what the <laughs> weed laws are in New Jersey, so that's not my All place. Right, fair enough. However, do you want to buy yourself a beanie cap because it's because it's cold out and you, and you didn't bring a hat? Nope. Not Can't happening. buy it in Bergen County. You uh, your blender broke and you're just running out because you're ma- you you're making Doesn't margaritas matter. for the, for you and the lady. Can you buy yourself a, a a blender? I think not. Absolutely not. You 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 find yourself sitting there and your 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 desk chair breaks, and you need to run out and get it fixed because Monday you start a a new job at working from home. Nope, can't buy a desk chair. You want to buy yourself some some three quarter inch drywall because you're putting up a, a new extension to the to your old lady's backyard. You can't buy any drywall. Home Depot's closed. All wow. Bergen County. Shocking. Um, all right, that might have been an exaggeration about the Home Depot. They have a very strong <laughs> lobby in Northeast New Jersey. I was going to say, but Bergen probably... County, what the fuck? Craziness. I don't get Ron, it. Ron. Yes. Ron, wh- why, explain to me the blue laws. Why is it that because on this day, Jesus is supposed to be on the top of my attention, I have to not be able to go out and buy any article of clothing in Bergen County, New Jersey? I mean, what's ironic to me is Jesus was a carpenter. So you would think the best way to honor him would be home improvements. And yet you you're think. saying you can't purchase those items in Bergen Cannot County. Cannot buy building. No building materials in Bergen County. All right. I can't explain it. I've got no answers for you. Oh, that's okay. All right. All right. Ron. Yes. What's bothering you? Um, so this is, hold on. Before we go forward, Billy's saying if you go to Costco in Bergen County on a Sunday, the clothing aisles are blocked off. Yes. Oh, that's crazy. I was in a, I was in a store today where what they did was they put up barriers in all, any aisle that had, um, uh, clothing appliances. And if there was a, um, uh, uh, an aisle that had uh, appliances and non-appliances. There was a netting 
that was put down in front of the appliances so that you could not actually touch them, but you could move over and touch a um, a, a mixing spoon. All right. I mean, I, I don't get it, but what are you going to do? It's so, 2023, people. <laughs> it is. It is. So, my, I mean, surprisingly, my beef is uh, is shopping centric also, but it's just in general having to go out shopping on a Sunday, a Sunday morning, uh, because uh, my wife wanted to go to this uh, store called World Market. It used to be called Cost Plus World Market. I don't know if you have any by you, but they're, they do specialty import uh, retail. You know, this is where I go to get my digestive biscuits, my Tim Tam. You know, um, what's that? Are we talking like an Aldi? Uh, it's not a grocery store. It's more of a, it's more like a Marshall. It's like a higher end TJ, TJ Maxx Marshalls because it's got, you know, clothing, it's got artwork, it's got furniture, and then it's got like imported foods from Japan, uh, Britain, you know, Australia, places like that. We know Mrs. Ron loves her <laughs> Marshalls. We know she loves her TJ Maxx. So we know she digs her at home. So yesterday, um, she's like, oh, let's go to let's go to World Market to get uh, she wanted me to pick up this pizza dough mix. Why? Because she wants me to make pizza. Um, and I'm like, I you just got like, the pizza stone for got your the birthday. pizza stone, which, you know, granted, working out well. Thank you, Jardy's made a couple pizzas on it so far. Um, Thanks for the invite. So then this morning, she's like, well, you didn't want to go yesterday, so we got to go now. And it's like 930. I'm like, are you are you kidding me? So I get cleaned up 10 o'clock. We roll out the door. And uh, I'm like, hey, should we check and see if it's even open? We're already in the car going out there. Doesn't open till 11 a.m., which, all right, why the hell a store doesn't open till 10 a.m.? She's like, well, I guess we got to stop at the home goods over there now. <laughs> so then it's, then it becomes home goods and it becomes Marshall's and it yep. becomes World Market. And then we got to go to Home Depot because I could buy some home improvement items uh, because I wasn't in Bergen County, ends sure. up at Home Depot. And then do you think, she's like, oh, let's grab some lunch while we're out. Uh, but do you think for my 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 being pulled out of the house, I get to pick where we have lunch? No, Brian, no. So it was uh, it was a disappointing start uh, to the Sunday of our 250th episode. I remember as a single man, my Sunday mornings uh, involved uh, coffee, uh, sports center, sure. uh, and a and a big ass breakfast. Yes, but now pork, eggs, bread, maybe life is potato. different. Brian. Like, oh, potatoes. Yeah. You had to make the, the home fries, uh, breakfast potatoes. Um, but now, not so much. Now, did your wife reward you in any way for you giving up your Sunday morning to feed her, uh, her, her shopping addiction? Did she, like when you got home, did she say, all right, hey, it's now three o'clock. I assume you guys got back around three. We got back uh, actually closer to one. We, we, oh, we closer to one. Her, yeah. Did she sit there and say, hey, Ron, go take a nap. I, I'm going to, you know, I'll, uh, uh, I'm going to stay down here. But It you, was more, you oh, we've got laundry to do. Oh, we've got to clean and organize this closet. Oh, uh, now you can do what you need to do, which I had to work on the podcast, obviously. We've got a lot going into this podcast. So, so then I got to relax a little bit. But I, I like Sundays to be a day of rest, Brian. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, I mean, I'll take it a step further in terms of my life. I, I like my mornings to be of rest. Yes. Uh, you know, I the way I see it is this. Five days a week, I'm setting my alarm for 6 a.m. And I'm getting up, I'm going to work. That's right, people. I'm still going to work it five days a week. physically goes to work. Um, 
So I'm in the office every, uh, you know, Monday through Friday, eight-ish. Um, I'm not home till about six-ish. It's a long day. Um, the idea that a Saturday and Sunday morning, not only do I not need to set the alarm, but for me, it is, um, it, it's better than church is to throw on a pair of sweatpants, especially yeah. this time of year, mm -hmm. um, walk over to the coffee machine, pour yourself a cup of coffee, walk over to the couch, jump on the couch, put your feet up, turn the TV on, uh, and find a movie. Just there do is, nothing. There is nothing like a Saturday morning movie that you put on, I'm going to say it like 7.30. This way, it's over by 9.30. You still have a whole day and you've already watched a movie. Nice. Um, during that time, you're flipping through your, um, you're flipping through your phone, uh, you're checking your emails, you're looking up your sporting events from the night before that you lost. Um, and, uh, and over, and it's to me, the, 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 the weekend morning is, um, it's my safety place. Yeah. I'm you know, with you. it's the place where nobody can hurt me. Um, <laughs> Allie makes a good comment here, um, that Ron likes Sunday to be a day of rest. But it sounds like he's supporting the blue laws. See, here's the difference. I like it to be a day of rest for me, but I'm not going to force my opinion on other people that may not want it to be a day of rest. Oh, I didn't realize you were one of those libertarians. <laughs> hey, speaking of working on podcasts, Brian, I, I just want to thank you. Um, even though this is our episode 250, sure, I came sure. to you and I said, you know, uh, we, about a month ago, I played a clip from my new side project, the Ron and Ron podcast. And I said, Brian, I, I feel we've really worked out some of the video, some of the audio issues. I really feel we're doing some great work on the Ron and Rod podcast and asked if I could just have a few minutes of this platform uh, to show a clip from the latest Ron and Ron podcast. So, uh, Brian, thank you. And are you are you still OK with me playing this clip? Listen, uh, the Ron and Brian podcast is not competing against the Ron and Ron podcast. We're not fighting over the same slice of a pie. Right. Um, when the Ron and Ron podcast takes off, um, that's only going to lift the Ron and Brian podcast as well. Um, so uh, the way I see it is the Ron and Ron podcast success is the Ron and Brian podcast success. Listen. So I'm happy to share some of our special 250th episode with your side project, the Ron and Ron podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since we saw um, your introduction video. Um, right. I'd love to see, um, you know, what you what what you two kooky fellows are, uh, are are working on. All right, and and be brutally honest if you like it or not. So I'll play the clip, and then you uh, you give me your thoughts afterwards. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us for the latest episode of the Ron and Ron podcast. We are mixing things up a little bit this week. Ron is actually live down in Old City, Philadelphia. We will be checking in with him from time to time throughout this episode. Ron, can you hear me? Ron, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, sir. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. Anytime I can get down to Philadelphia, get on the streets, get to talk to people, that's really where I'm in my element. Uh, so today we'll be discussing PMA, uh, positive mental attitude. Uh, it's, a, it's a big buzzword online, but we're talking about influencers misusing PMA. Is it gaslighting? Is it just general cruelty? We're going to speak to the public and find out. And also, uh, we'll be going to our fashion segment where we'll be asking people about grown men wearing title belts. 
Uh, is it sad or is it a cry for help? I'm looking forward to uh, discussing all of those topics with you later in the podcast. And while you're out, don't forget to pick up something for our beverage of the moment segment. (laughs) Way ahead of you, my friend. I will definitely uh, be picking up something while I'm down here. So talk to you in a bit. All right. So like we said, Ron is down in Philly and we will be checking in with him from time to time throughout the show. We've got a great show ahead for you. Uh, Some great interviews, some great stories. Uh, Like I said, some live on the street stuff. I'm really excited to get things started. Sorry to jump in and interrupt. Yeah, no problem. What's up? Well, I just uh, wanted to say I'm excited to hear you talk about your side project. I believe it's called the Ron and Brian podcast. So really interested in hearing what you got to say about that. And I also So just wanted to remind our viewers that for all things Ron and Ron, check out the Ron and Ron podcast.com. Great stuff as always. Thank you, my friend. No problem, my friend. Speak to you a bit. All right. So uh, we will be getting right into this tremendous show uh, after a quick commercial break. We're going to be speaking to the lawyer handling the mustache Ron infringement lawsuit that I have brought against some creators out there. You know, intellectual property theft is no laughing matter. And we'll be discussing that. But first, let's hear from our sponsor of the week, which is Dudescaper. If uh, your undercarriage is overgrown, Dudescaper helps you look freshly mown. That's Dudescaper. Be right back. Uh, so I, again, we, uh, we, uh, we brought in a new producer. I think, again, I think it's coming along. I mean, it's, it's like the fifth oh. or sixth episode. I, I think we're, we're, we're getting there. I'm going to say this. Um, watching the two of you go back and forth. The banter. It's like, it's like watching McEnroe and Connors Back in the day, it is like watching um, uh, Connors and McEnroe going back and forth back in the day. Um, it's it's just two. It's two of the very best out there. Um, what uh, this infringement, this infringement case? Yeah. Is yeah. Something you want to you want to talk about or no? I, I don't want to take up you know, too much of episode 250 with a negative. Sure. Um, okay. So, uh, you know, I, I will be, uh, I'll be uh, giving some interviews. Uh, I'll be on The View. Um, I'll also be on uh, The Kitchen on Food Network. Not quite sure how I fit in there, but uh, there'll be, there'll be some places where I'll be talking about it. But sure. Let's, uh, you know, really, thing- I listen, I'm just yeah. going to say this. Um, uh, I'm not sure of the two who I prefer. Do I prefer Ron or do I prefer Ron? Um, you know, Ron, the thing about this is that Ron offers the level of professionalism and he offers up the, um, you know, the, 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 the standards of how a podcaster should behave um, that I think all other podcasts are looking to um, in terms of setting a standard. But at the same time, I feel like Ron is also taking um, also, you know, you know, the, the man on the street perspective is something that is so not heard enough in, in today's podcasting environment. Um, and I, I really do believe that, you know, the, the you know, having this, that, that natural balance, that yin yang of the Ron and Ron show, um, kudos to you. Um, you. I support everything that you've, you're, you, that you two are doing. Um, and like I said, and I, I texted it to you earlier this week, you know, when the time is right, you know, when you guys have some, some, you know, uh, a, a block of time, 
I would love to come on. I would love to come on the show um, and just, you know, kick it with the two of you. I mean, I don't think we figured out how to do guests just yet. You know, we're still, again, kind of walking through. Uh, but yeah, sure. I mean, you're definitely, I would say there is a very short list of, of guests um, that are going to be on the Ron and Ron podcast. And I would say you're, you're very close to being on that list. Thank you. Um, and, and keep in mind, I just, um, you know, uh, congrats on, on your first, um, uh, congrats on your very first uh, uh, paid advertising. You know, it's I mean, it's a smaller we, company, but uh, but yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's something, you know, it's a start. Just I, I, I could not be happier for you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, moving along, another bit we kind of have started in the last month or so is our stories of the week. Uh, obviously, we read a lot of stories and there's some that just really catch our eye and uh, that we just want to make sure we talk about. Brian, what is your story of the week this week? My story of the week takes me all the way, takes me, it takes us all right back to Florida. You well, know me. I is. love a good Florida man story. You uh, do. Ron, do you have a photo of Ortelio Alfonso? And there we are. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like you to see Ortelio Alfonso. Now, this man appears to have been arrested. This looks like a mugshot. Very Am much Am I so. correct? I believe right. that is Art- his mugshot, yes. You are looking at Marion County resident, Ortelio Alfonso, age 39, um, who slapped his wife in the face with a slice of pizza during an argument in their residence, according to the police, who reported that the alleged crime was sauce splattered. All right, pardon the uh, alliteration there. Yes. Um, all joking aside... Police were dispatched Friday afternoon to a residence in Marion County in response to a 9-11 hangup. Upon arriving, the officers encountered Ortelio Alfonso, who said he had been in a verbal altercation with his spouse. His wife, however, when questioned by police, said the dispute had turned violent, telling officers that Alfonso had grabbed a slice of pizza and slapped her in the left side of the face with it. The woman said the couple had been arguing about disciplining their son. The police noted that the woman had pizza sauce all over her shirt and the remnants of pizza sauce in her hair and ear area. Additionally, the officer reported on the arresting report, I observed there to be pizza sauce on the walls and the ceiling of the kitchen area, which further corroborated the victim's statement. Um, now, apparently, after being handcuffed and read his rights, Alfonso did admit to striking his wife with a slice of pizza, adding that he threw the pizza and did not physically strike the victim with his hands, just with the pizza. Alfonso was arrested on a misdemeanor battery count and booked in the county jail for what? A pizza crime. And it's Florida pizza. So, you know, it probably wasn't even good pizza. Oh, we're talking pot. Listen, as somebody who has lived in the state of Florida, I'm going to tell you that absolutely correct. Janelle, once again, once again, nailing it. Florida, um, Florida pizza. You're talking Papa John's. You're talking Domino's. You're talking Pizza Hut. You're talking Little Caesars. You're talking Marion County. We're talking Little Caesars there. Um, and what I'm going to say is that if that's the case, the fuck. Your See ice that? Cube Did that come exploded. across or no? <laughs> My ice cube just exploded, launching liquid in the air. Hold on, I found the this is the piece of a. See that? That thing just landed oh, yeah. in my glass. There we go. Um, 
Florida pizza, terrible. Never, I never in, in my time in Southern Florida back in 1998 through 2001, um, I never found a neighborhood pizzeria. It was all Pizza Huts. Yeah. Cheers. You know what? It's getting you're a little gonna, warm. You're going to loosen the. You're going to loosen the tie a little bit. You're going to. I'm go loosening the tie, Ron. Ron, go, what's your yes. What's your story of the week? So my story, and this this may also qualify under our fuck around and find out segment that we have started to do. Uh, so we're going to go out to Utah for my story, uh, where last May, the state of Utah passed something called the Sensitive Materials in Schools Act, uh, which bans schools in Utah from providing students access to materials deemed inappropriate for minors, um, which is either pornographic material or material, quote, harmful to minors. Um, so a parent um, has now uh, filed a complaint with his local school board because he says that the Bible should be banned from the school library uh, over its sexual content. Uh, it says, quote, uh, a redacted version of the request said that the Bible had been left off the list despite containing, quote, incest, onanism, bestiality, prostitution, genital mutilation, fellatio, dildos, rape, and even infanticide. Uh, so now the, uh, the school district actually has to seriously consider uh, the Bible against other uh, works of literature that they have kept out of the school district. And Lawyers in the state say that it will be very difficult for them to rule not to keep the Bible in schools. Um, so it is uh, it's enjoyable. It is enjoyable for me to see a story like that. Well, I think what you're um, what you're witnessing is um, acts of I like to call this civil disobedience. Um, the far right um, uh, the uh, has has gone so far in pushing their legis in the, the pushing their personal agenda into the legislative sphere and um it it, it seems that the um the moderate right has absolutely um taken their pants off bent over a table stuck a butter a stick of butter up their asshole and said that's right do me ultra right daddy um Take me aside and make me the bitch that you know I am, um, leaving the weak-ass Democrats who really don't, you know, have proven themselves to be not much on the legislative front. Um, and I know you could say, Billy, it all started with Ronald Reagan. Um, but um, I take it a step further and say it started with, Jer with uh, Jerry Falwell, Jimmy Falwell. Uh, Jimmy Falwell. Jimmy? I thought it was Jerry that was the business. Jerry, Jerry Falwell, Jimmy Swaggart. Yeah, 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 Jimmy Swagger. Yeah. I have sinned. <laughs> I've sinned with that woman. <laughs> Anywho, but um, uh, I think that what you're seeing here are people who are now looking at the laws that we all seem to be helpless to prevent, especially in these um, conservative states. You are looking at people who are sitting there saying, how can we push back and use these laws to our benefit. This is the type of behavior that I 100% support. In fact, right. if I could, I would say 101%. Um, mathematically impossible. I can't. I can't you support can something 101. Uh, I would like to um, absolutely use their laws against them. I saw a recent story 
um, where um, uh, Wyoming passed a bill during uh, Obama's administration that um, they added an amendment to their state um, constitution that said that no law could be passed that um, uh, dictated the uh, medical care and medical care decisions about any resident of Wyoming. And this was basically an attempt by the Republicans in Wyoming, probably Lynn Cheney, who now is being looked at as a um, a symbol of civility in the party. Right. Um, as a moderate. Uh, pass it to, to basically ensure that Obamacare um, was not going to be legal in Wyoming. Now is being used to um, that that same amendment is now being used to um, uh, uh, to potentially block um, anti-abortion laws that nice. are being pe- pushed through in Wyoming. So I absolutely love and, and listen, once again, I love chaos. I love the idea that you've got people who are using these backwards um, uh, uh, 1940s style um, legislation that these Republicans are passing, using these same laws against them. I am all in favor of it. Do your best, people. All right. Uh, I got another mug shot to pull up here. Uh, this gentleman right here is a man by the name of Steve Greason. He is a Christian filmmaker and a veteran of the Jesus Movement's 1970s era music scene. Brian, would you like to take a guess as to why uh, he needed to have a mug shot taken? I'm going to guess child endangerment. Well, you're very, very correct. He actually pled guilty Wednesday in Colorado Springs to a criminal attempt to solicit online sex with a minor. Uh, In a plea deal, Greeson agreed to register as a sex offender and spend five years in Colorado's supervision program for sex offenders. Uh, He had been arrested on charges for inducement of child prostitution, patronizing a prostituted child and sexual assault on a child. Uh, He faced a possible prison sentence of 12 years. Uh, So getting off very easily with this plea deal, he was arrested back on September 7th after arranging to pay an undercover detective $170 to have a sex with a 14-year-old girl. Uh, Greeson, who is 68, runs two Christian film companies, um, and manages distribution of over 400 films. He was also a singer for the 1900 or for the 1970s Christian band, The Family. But Brian, it's drag queens we have to watch out for. Yes. Oh no, no, no! It's drag queens who are trying to encourage um, uh, 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 literacy amongst children. That's what we need to. <sighs> um, this is once again. Um, this is once again an example of how. Um, uh, the uh, uh, the religious right have taken over a party, uh, the Republicans, Republicanism. No, the Republican Party. They've taken right. it over um, and just absolutely gone hog wild with pushing an agenda where there is absolutely um, the data doesn't def- doesn't back. Um, you know, it's 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 emotional driven. It's not based on facts. Um, the number of stories of drag queens who have sexually assaulted children. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not hearing the stories, but the but but the number of, of articles about um, uh, 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 coaches in in schools, um, uh, uh, teachers in schools, uh, 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 church uh, uh, gr- uh, group leaders, um, 
those numbers, uh, I see those articles every week. Right. Um, you know, we, you know, we, we, we do a regular, uh, if there's a teacher who's been arrested for having sex with a student, you know, we try and uh, throw it up there, get a good mug shot. Um, we have a little chuckle. Um, it's not funny people. No. Um, and yet somehow we have, um, uh, brainwashed a huge segment of the American society into believing that somehow a man who enjoys dressing up in full, uh, ball gown, uh, uh, wig and makeup and uh, wants to you know read books to children that this is the number one danger in our society uh, it's um, and it, it, it's so fucking ludicrous it is absolutely ludicrous without a doubt without a doubt Brian the danger the danger is right in front of us it is. and we look the other way we look the other way because heaven forbid if a man makes a movie about Jesus oh then he just he fell off the path and he found his way again. He, you know, he's made amends and we need to just forgive him and move forward. Um, you know, but uh, uh, RuPaul is, is the true evil. Right. So question for you, Brian. Yes. What are you watching? Right now, buddy, I'm watching you oh, and that fine, it. fine, fine face. How much of that beer have you drank, Ron? Uh, so uh, I've got uh, just a little bit left. Feeling it, not gonna lie. That was the whole. That's the whole bottle. That is all twelve point seven ounces. Oh, if I were there right now, I would be rubbing your testicles <laughs> with the with, with, with the with my fingertips. I'd just be tickling. I'm just, mm, More importantly, mm. uh, what do you watch? Okay, Brian? so we have watched a lot. I don't believe yeah. we did this bit last week. We, we didn't we talk did not about have a chance this. to last week. No. So we're gonna make up for it this week. We may go a little long on this segment, people, but you know. Um, uh, knock it in. Uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is Waco Apocalypse. American Apocalypse. American Apocalypse. Um, listen, uh, I believe that I was 21 years old in 1993 when on April 19th, the FBI, the ATF um, stormed into the Mount Carmel, Texas compound of the Branch Davidians. I can't believe I just said that sentence at 58 minutes into this. I I got every fact right. I'm not Actually, even asking uh, you. Well, you missed on the date a little bit. It was February 28th that they no. uh, initially served the warrant. Oh, you're talking about the day no. they burned it down. I'm talking the day they burned it down, April My 19th. apologies. My apologies. Um, yes. And, uh, you know, uh, I think that, you know, anybody that was um, uh, interested in current events at the time was absolutely obsessed with the standoff that took place. Um, between the Branch Davidians and the ATF slash FBI. This went on for oh, for two months. Um, there was a small cult. We're going to call them a cult. They're a church. Um, I think we have gone, you know, we've spent way too much time in the past 250 episodes arguing over what defines a, a cult versus a church. Um, and, you know, we really can, I don't, I don't know. I, I've never come up with a good justification for a difference. Right. I mean, I would um, call this. I would call most organized religion uh, cult-like at times, but absolutely, Branch Davidians definitely uh, a cult. I mean, the fact that uh, all of the men within the Branch Davidians had to be okay with um, only David Koresh having sex with their wives, sure, and, sure, and they weren't was, allowed to. But anyway, no, no, they couldn't have sex with their wives, but David Koresh could. Let's um, talk about the show. So Netflix just came out with a three-part uh, documentary. One thing right off the bat, I was very pleased 
that this was a documentary. Um, I think it was Hulu that came out. Um, uh, no, it wasn't Hulu. It was like TBS, AMC. One of um, them did, I uh... watched it on Hulu, but I know it was a regular cable channel came out with a acted um, a dramatic version of the uh, standoff between the uh, 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 Branch Davidians and the government. Um, uh, this one was a pure three-part uh, documentaries. You've got interviews um, with the ATF agents who originally raided the compound. You've got interviews with the FBI negotiators who were in um, daily contact with David Koresh, with other members of the Branch Davidians. You've got interviews with the Branch Davidian members who did leave um, either before uh, April 19th or on April 19th. There were people who left that day. Right. Um, ultimately, um, as we all are aware, um, this uh, led to a um, what uh, 88 people died that day when um, um, a fire broke out. 80, uh, I want to say 86. I think it was 90 total altogether, counting the four right. agents that died on the first day. But yeah, roughly in the high 80s. Um, it was just um, uh, fascinating. Um, every day, I remember we would look at the news reports. And I remember you and I, we were at uh, WCDB Albany 90.9 FM. Um, and we were checking the AP wire on a regular basis. This right. was before cable news. We didn't have cell phones. So if you wanted an update when you were not in front of a television, you were we were at the radio station looking at updates. Um, and uh, it was I don't think, you know, as much as a uh, as an informed American, I'd like to think that I was. I never thought that it was going to end with them burning themselves to death. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, what I what I liked about it. I mean, again, I think it was it was a tight three episodes. It didn't run too long. I also like the fact that they didn't feel the need to really go deeply into the backstory of the Branch mm -hmm. Davidians and everything else. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. a little bit. You get a little bit of the history, but it really starts sure. with them attempting to serve uh, a warrant um, at Mount Carmel on February 28th. Um, the initial firefight ensues. And then, sure. you know, you have the standoff for seven weeks. Um, what was interesting to me is, you know, basically the Branch Davidians get tipped off by uh, a news uh, cameraman who was trying to find Mount Carmel. He had heard there was going to be sure. a raid. Uh, a postman finds him lost and he and the cameraman asked the postman for directions. And the postman's like, oh, what are you going out to Mount Carmel for? And uh, the news guy was like, oh, there's going to be a raid there today. Turns out the postman was uh, a branch of idiot. So, yes. uh, so David Koresh and his followers get a heads up um, ATF, which I didn't realize, I don't know if they really ever touched on this in some of the different shows, that they had a man on the inside. Um, yes. And he said, you know, they know you're coming. Yes. And they elected to go anyway, which, I mean, there, there are, a, and again, I, I'm, I'm not going to defend the behavior of the Branch Davidians because obviously, you know, it was, it was pretty fucked up what they were doing there. But there were so many poor decisions made by the ATF and the FBI mm -hmm. along the lines. And, you know, you, you end up hearing the very human cost of it. You know, they were talking to sure. one of the one of the ATF guys who was one of the ones on the roof trying to get in the building that first day. Mm -hmm. He talked. And those about are, and those are famous shots. Right. I mean, the video is something that has been, you know, um, any American that was alive at the time, when you think of the 
Branch Davidian standoff. You you remember the video of those poor ATF agents that are literally in very close quarter shooting. I right. mean, they are on the outside. They're on the roof outside of a window shooting in, and there's somebody inside the room shooting at them. Right. And this this particular guy they're interviewing was inside the 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 compound, and he got sure. inside through a window, gets shot a couple times, goes out to the roof, falls to the ground, and he sees somebody about to shoot him. Another ATF agent you know, shoots back to draw the fire and gives up his position and mm-hmm. ends up getting shot in the head and killed sure. the day before his 26th birthday. And so yeah. you have these people that 20, 30 years later, this is what they're still living through, the trauma yeah. of that. Um, sure. a, a girl who was, I don't know if she would think she was nine years old at the time. And, you know, her grandfather. Which meant that she, she was nine. So she had only had sex with David Koresh a dozen times by that point. Um, so her grandfather gets shot and she's got to listen to, and he gets shot in the, in, in the stomach, which is, they always sure. say, like a belly shot the is, place. is the worst place. We he, also have Reservoir Dogs. Um, listens to her grandfather, you know, screaming in pain for hours in the hallway. And then you come mm-hmm. to find the branch of Indians ended up killing this guy to put him out of his misery. I mean, yes. it's, it is, it is a, it's a story that, you know, you feel sorry for a lot of the individuals that were taking orders that day on the ATF sure. and FBI side. Um, sure. There was a lot of poor decisions made. Uh, the the worst, though, is this woman, Kathy Schroeder, who was a mm-hmm. Branch Davidian. She left early uh, because her kids have been, you know, her kids were some of the ones that were released early on. Sure. Um, her husband, her ex-husband came and took the kids that mm-hmm. uh, were her kids with her, she had a baby with somebody else who's left mm-hmm. alone. So she leaves the complex, but she had like, she, she talks about, and you, you kind of talk about, you know, David Koresh having sex with underage girls. You know, this was a comment she made in episode two. People think that a man having sex with a bunch of underage girls is a crime. And in conventional wisdom, that could probably be very well true. However, these weren't underaged girls because you come of age at 12. So all of these girls were adults in our belief system. Now, ill. This Ew. wasn't this wasn't an interview from twenty some years ago. Nope, nope. this is that's her an, right that's now. Current, that's a current interview. And I will say this: uh, some of the other Branch Davidians that they spoke with, like they're upset at what they went through there. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. They're get still the, angry about the. They're still angry at the government, right? You know, and, they, and, and rightfully so for some of them. But I don't. I I did not. None of them really stood up and defended David Koresh the way that this woman correct. Did. And that is like when you're like, hey, listen, maybe in your world, having sex with a 12 year old is is taboo. Right. But it's fine where we were. I mean, that was there was a lot of disturbing things to listen to her still defending that behavior now was one of the more disturbing things of of the documentary. One thing that I actually find very um, interesting. Interesting, for lack of a better phrase, is I've continued to watch the Netflix series um, uh, about the Korean churches. Oh, yes. I think you watched one episode and gave up. I've got I've um, gotten a couple more episodes in. I'm up to, I believe I just finished episode six. Okay. So they have talked about three or, or four different churches. 
And keep in mind, I've been obsessed with any type of um, culture or whatnot over the years and what, and, um, uh, Heaven's Gate, Om Shinrikyo in Japan, um, uh, uh, Jim Jones in Guyana, uh, um, Heaven's Gate. I'm just going to let you keep going. You want me to play uh, the clip. You want me I to play the you. clip, but you. I'm not going I love to. you, buddy. I love you. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that I find so interesting and in uh, from a distance, the dead giveaway that this thing is um, – that this church or religion or group that you belong to um, is absolutely a scam is the sexual domination by the leader. Right. That um, it is a theme that runs very consistent within these groups where sexual activity within the group is restricted by the leader. The leader has unrestricted um, sexual ability with all the different members and may in certain groups like a, a Charles Manson um, dictate who gets to have sex with who. Right. Um, uh, uh, but one of the things that um, you see quite often and you saw it with the Branch Davidians was David Koresh is part of this great cult and this great leader. You also see it a lot with the, um, uh, with the Mormons, with the offshoots, um, the, the Warren Jeffries, right. Warren Jeffords, Jeffries, Jeff, Warren Jeffs. Jeff, 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 Jeffs. Um, but it is the, um, this leader is elevated above all of us. So if they want to have sex with you um, or a member of your family, biological, whatnot, um, oh my God, this is the greatest thing that has ever happened. And and that's the way it's, it's sold to um, the members. Um, but um, you're not allowed to, to um, uh, have sex with anyone that you have feelings for or have developed any level of comfort or trust and, and, and emotional uh, connection with. No, no, only, only our leader gets to sit there and say, hey, I want to have sex with you. Have them, you know, bring, bring that person up to my room tonight and I'm going to have sex with them. Right. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where when I see that that's part of um, a, an organization, I realize that it's all full of shit, and um, uh, that's when I check out. There you go. Well, uh, what I saw you also watch the uh, the Boston Strangler documentary. Oh, I Hulu. did watch. I watched the Boston Strangler. On I, I Hulu. saw. I saw it advertised. I haven't watched it yet. Starring Kira Knightley and Chris Cooper. I think Chris Cooper is his name. Um, Want to say uh, uh, Gary Cooper, but I don't think it's Gary Cooper. I, I want to say it's Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper sounds um, about right. Listen. Uh, if you told me that this was a made-for-TV movie, I would say absolutely um, worth your watch. Um, if this was a hey, uh, you know, do you want to watch it on Netflix or or pay uh, twelve ninety-nine to see it in the movie theater? I'd say skip it. Um, I, I, it really is the story not of the Boston Strangler, not of the ravages that took place in Boston in the early 60s. This story is told from the perspective of the two female um, journalists who uh, wrote about the stories for a Boston newspaper. Um, Kira Knightley plays one of the um, journalists. Chris Cooper plays her editor. Um, Got it. Not really a great um, uh, watch, uh, hour and 45, whatnot. Um, in hindsight, I could have found something better. However, the story of the Boston Strangler, I always find fascinating. Um, and, and really what, it, what, what, what drives me is, and I know it was a simpler time, 
Um, but here you had somebody who was go- was knocking on doors of um, uh, uh, women in apartments, uh, dressed up as a um, maintenance worker, um, letting them know he was there to fix some plumbing or to take a look at a radiator, um, gain access to the apartment, at which point he would strangle the women, rape them, um, and then um, uh, uh, leave the bodies in a uh, staged um, uh, uh, position. Um, what I found amazing is that once the story had broken, I think it really kind of was after there had been um, four women, 13 women were killed in total uh, uh, attributed to the Boston Strangler. But after four women was when the story broke. So there was a story that came out that said single women um, of, of a certain age group are being um, uh, uh, murdered. Uh, do not open your door to strangers. Don't let strangers in. Um, if you don't know this person, do not let them into your apartment if you are not familiar with who this person is. And yet women continue to let a man dress up as a maintenance worker pretending to be there to do work in their apartment. Um, they right. continue to let him in. And I'm not victim shaming in any way. And I know that um, uh, that's where, you know, your brain was was about to go to. Um, but it was just to me, it was an example of, you know, kind of a. You know, uh, the simpler time that we lived in, which when you really think about it on this on the scale of of humanity, 60, 70 years ago was is really not that long ago. But it was a time where if somebody knocked on your door and said, hey, I need to take a look at something in there, you you, you let them in. You know, there right. was a level of trust. OK, Ali, you're victim blaming. I'm not victim blaming. I'm not. It was it was acceptable behavior then. What I'm really saying is is pointing out is just how much times have changed. That back then, if somebody said, "Don't let strangers in," but but somebody said, "Hey, I'm I'm here to work." There was a level of trust within society, within your other, um, with your other uh, a member of of your 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 group that this person was was there to 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 do what they said they were going to do and how nowadays the world that we live in is you know if 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 you bump into the same person three different places you automatically go to a place of this person's following me i'm going to stab him <laughs> well the stabbing seems a bit much so Brian, I actually I watched quite a bit this weekend. I sure. Was, uh, so I watched uh the movie Cocaine Bear Friday night. Cocaine Bear. Cocaine oh, Bear. Ray sure. Liotta's last film, also uh, featuring uh, Carrie Russell, uh, Jesse Tyler Ferguson, a bunch of a bunch of other people. Um, so uh, yeah, so basically the the premise is back in '85 there was a uh, a plane crash of uh, of some drug dealers and cocaine that ended up in the woods. And so this just hypothesized what would happen if a 500 pound black bear uh, got addicted to cocaine. Um, went into it not expecting all that much. Um, and I would say I, I got my money's worth since I didn't pay anything for it. It was okay. Like, I think if you go into it not expecting a great movie, just going for kind of the cheese factor. Um, I mean, it sure. was it was decent. Um it, again, very sad that this is the last thing that we'll see Ray Liotta in. Um, but just, you know, it was it was OK. You could see where they skimped on uh, special effects and things of that nature. I would call this kind mm-hmm. of a, an homage to like a classic 90s B flick. So was this would you how would you compare this to like a Sharknado? <sighs> I would say 
Sharknado. I would say this took itself a little bit more seriously than a Sharknado, but not much. Okay, I I think I watched about a half an hour of one of the Sharknados because they made like five of them. Right. They kept putting them out, um, and uh, um, I just I I could not believe that they would beget. Um, actual Hollywood actors, people with names, with careers, with reputations to um, act in a movie about a shark that somehow got whipped up into in a tornado over the water and was running around now on land killing people. Um, now, uh, so a cocaine bear, the, the difference is that cocaine bear actually has a, um, a historical uh, uh, point of reference. There really was a bear that broke in and ate a large amount of cocaine, whether, what was it like a kilo of cocaine? I don't remember Probably the like actual that. amount, but it, 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 uh, it, it consumed about a, um, uh, like a kilo of cocaine and, and died from it. And right. basically, um, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the meme that went around the internet was like for 20 minutes out there, there was a, the, it was the, the world's most dangerous creature. Um, a coked out bear. So that's the place of the movie. Um, I'm going to skip it now based on no, your fine. words. So I want to thank you. Um, a, a movie but, I watched that I did like, and this is on Netflix. This is on Netflix. It actually came out in 2019. It's a movie mm -hmm. called I See You uh, with Helen Hunt, uh, John Tenney, and Judah Lewis. Um, it is a, uh, it's a horror thriller movie. And it's one of those ones where like they kind of tell the story twice. They tell it from one perspective for like the first half of the movie. And you think the story is going in one direction. And then it kind of jumps back in time and tells the story from other characters perspective. So it kind of starts to fill in the holes for you. But then it takes like some twists and turns. Um, I did not expect to like this as much as I did. Like it was one of those ones that, you know, I'm not sure why it wasn't on anyone's radar, but it was a surprisingly good movie. A policeman and his doctor wife have some marriage problems and the son blames the mother for his job. The policeman investigates the case of a missing boy. The possible kidnapping looks like some cases from a previous years ago. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's. It's better than that description sounds. It's it's here's the thing. It is very difficult to describe the movie without sure. giving away some of the away. twists and turns of the movie. But okay, okay, I would fair. say if you had it, if you had a choice of a movie to check out on Netflix, I would check out. I see you, um, um, Ron. Let me ask yeah. you something. I know yeah. I know you were about to move forward, but did you by any chance happen to watch the Netflix documentary on? Pornhub money shot. You know, we did. It uh, came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, the the detailing of the uh, the website Pornhub. Again, another very interesting documentary because I remember, you know, Pornhub being kind of vilified by the porn industry when it first got popular because, you know, it was providing um, free porn clips for people and so initially it was almost looked at as the potential death of the pay for porn industry and then right. you learn in this documentary how you know both professional and amateur porn stars were able to monetize what they were sure. doing through Pornhub mm -hmm. without having to involve the major studios 
But then True. you have the issue of the uh, the the sex trafficking and uh, child sex videos that also were ending up on Pornhub. Problematic. So you ended up with you ended up with. So you told the story. Um, what was your thoughts on the documentary? I thought the documentary was very well done. I thought it was very well balanced. I thought it revealed, you know, you you hear you you see industry people um, going against Pornhub, and then you find out they have like a very Christian background and just trying to ban all porn. Sure. Like it really, it told the story in an interesting way. Um, I think it was as impartial as it could have been. Um, and but at the end of the day, I think again, the disturbing part is the the again. The, the lack of control at Pornhub, which allowed these sex trafficking videos, these revenge porn videos, these child sex videos online, which then in turn ended up you you you're getting you're seeing interviews with professional and amateur porn stars who are like, well, yeah, that's bad, but this allows me to make a living. And it's sure. like that's disturbing to me like i get you need to make a living but you also should be able to hold these people you know liable for sure. any failings they have as a company but i, I would sure. say it was a, it was definitely worth a watch i was um i also watched it um on your recommendation um what i'm going to start off by saying is um the level of shame that I felt because I watched it with the lady. She was sitting next to me. Sure. And um, one of the things that I realized as as we were watching this is that um, she and I have watched a very different amount of pornography in our lifetimes. Um, there were way too many moments where a uh, you know a, a phrase was referenced or a term was used that she would look at me and say, "What's joi?" And and I had that you know um, you know the little angel and the devil moment right where I had the angel sitting there saying just tell her you don't know she'll never <laughs> know that you're lying she'll never know that you're just making this up and I had the devil on my shoulder being like tell her she should know if you should know um, so yeah so I sat there I was like J O I of course jerk off instructional Ron introduced me to that on the podcast several weeks ago um, but it was. Um, True. I mean, I will you say this. There, don't pretend that's not true. There, there um, but was, it was there, just. There was a time, and I'll, I'll let you go back to your story. There was an instance during the documentary where my wife asked me what a cream pie was. And I was. Same. Able, she and didn't I was, know what a cream pie was either. There was another time. And I was able to explain it to her. So embarrassing. And, her, and the look of disgust and yes. disappointment on her face that I knew what that term meant, followed by the question yes. why do you know what this means? You know what? Let's just go back to watching the documentary. See, the, see, you've been with your wife for a while, so I have the excuse of I was alone for many years before we got together, so you can't really blame me for that. Um, you don't have that to, to fall back on. I no. But, I mean, it was um, – and, and I'm going to say this something to you. There is something absolutely um, wonderful about being in the sphere of another human who has not been ruined by pornography. A hundred percent. I'm not, you think I'm joking. No, I, I, I know joke, what you mean. And I'm truly not. Know what you mean. There is something so like, you want to hug pure. it. You want to hold so it. You want to nurture it. it. You're like, I'm so glad that there are people that, that the world needs people like this. 
um, where it's like, if somebody were to have said to me before watching this documentary, like, Brian, what was the downfall of Pornhub? I would have been able to go 15 minutes nonstop. Maybe if I had a glass of water, I could have done 20. But I would have absolutely said that the downfall of Pornhub was when they had decided that um, they needed to be able to verify the um, uh, the historical backing of every video that they were going to be hosting on their website. One of the things about Pornhub that had been so great was this Wild West aspect of anybody could upload any video onto Pornhub. Yeah. Um, and obviously it was a porn site, so people were uploading videos, but you had a lot of amateur stuff, a lot of things of just, you know, a husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend that were just having sex and putting their videos up because they wanted to share it with the world. They didn't want to have to pay for, you know, um, a, a web hosting and whatnot. So they would put their videos up. Um, and one of the things that you don't realize at the time, um, and I think this is one of the things that um, the documentary does kind of tap into, but does not really, you know, it doesn't really go in into the amount of time I think uh, that is genuinely warranted, are the amount of sex trafficking and um, uh, um, uh, uh, women that are being forced into um, for whatever, um, you know, uh, uh, place of their life that they're in that, uh, you know, revenge porn, stuff like that, where, you know, they, do, they don't really spend what I felt was the, the proper amount of time on, you know, um, the videos that are on Pornhub or, or technically were on Pornhub that should never have been right. um, for public consumption. Um, they make reference to it in terms of lawsuits that women were bringing against um, MindGeek. Um, who were the parent company of Pornhub, yeah. um, which caused Pornhub to suddenly, you know, change their business model to only verified accounts could upload um, videos. But the truth be told is the number of cases of women who were um, being forced into, um, uh, 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 I don't even want to say acting. They weren't acting. They were, they were, you, you were, you were videotaping their rape. Um, you know, for, for uh, 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 the pleasure of the viewing public. Um, you're looking, you know, the number of boyfriends that were uploading videos of their former girlfriend, you know, so, you know, videos that never should have existed in the very first place. Um, you know, I felt like that really should have, they should have spent a little bit more time with that and a little bit less time with, hey, I'm a pornographer now, I'm on OnlyFans and this is how I make money. Right. Overall, you know, I think we would both recommend the documentary. Uh, two more things mm. I watched. I don't. I don't want to drag this out too much, but please, uh, Ron. Watched- we still have another. <laughs> listen, Ron. This is the longest podcast you've ever done. Oh, we know. I've done an hour. I've done an hour and forty-four, which is why I'm the champ. <clears throat> so you, Ron, uh, tapped out at fifty-nine minutes. Watched Sorry. a no. uh, a TMZ documentary on nine uh, eleven on what yes. potentially was the fifth plane. Uh, United Flight 23, scheduled to fly from JFK to LAX, um, was brought back to the gate um, when they started to shut down the airlines. Um, You know, a short watch, about an hour. And again, one of those documentaries that I thought could have been better researched, I think, at the end of the day, just as likely it could have been the fifth airplane as not. Um, I mean, if you really think about it, 
what are the what are the chances that there were probably more planes involved that never left the ground? Sure. My thought sure. is I mean, probably if, yes. Of course. Um, we all know that the um uh, I believe it was Bojinka, B-O-J-I-N-K-A. Somebody quick look that up. I believe I'm correct. That was the plan that Yusef Hawkins, no, Yusef something ramsey youssef excuse me don't tell me i don't know my arab terrorist <laughs> ramsey youssef was was arrested for the bojinka plan when he was in the philippines when he was planning on um uh, uh hijacking nine airplanes and crashing them into pl various places so i think they're, they're you know it, it is not that much of a stretch of the human um imagination that there were more planes that were involved than just the four on 9-11 that we are aware of. Um, right. Where did you watch this? Because I, I, uh, I would like to Hulu. see it. Nine, okay, so the 9-11 TMZ on Hulu. Um, question for you. Did the fact that TMZ was involved de degrade the level yes. of legitimacy you were going to 100%. 100%. 100%. Okay. And maybe that's um, just me. Yeah, that's just me. And then finally, the last thing I watched, episode one of the new Bob Odenkirk series, Lucky Hank on AMC+. That's out. Plus. That is out. Uh, second episode is on tonight. Um, oh, I want to watch that. Pilot episode. Fantastic. I mean, Vince Gilligan is a great writer. Um, and, and I am I am very interested to see uh, from this first episode, I'm interested to see where this uh, where this storyline goes. So um, definitely Can you check walk it out. me through the plot of the show of what you've so, seen so far. Yeah. So basically, you know, Bob Odenkirk is the uh, is the chair of the English department at a, uh, a small college, I believe, somewhere in rural Pennsylvania. Uh, very dissatisfied with his professional life. Um, you know, he's he's uh, his wife and I'm forgetting the name of the actress, but she was in the, the that show, The Killing. Um you know, so basically it is him like. Basically, oh, 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 I know. Uh, Rhea Perlman. <laughs> I don't believe that Rhea Perlman was in Cheers. Anyway, um, so he's just, you know, he's someone that doesn't care if he gets fired from his job. He basically, you know, tells his class one day uh, that the college is representative of all mediocre students uh, in the in the country. So it's just it's, you know, it's a. Uh, they're not breaking new ground as far as like the storyline and the characters, but it's just a very entertaining show that I would recommend okay. it. Um, uh, I would like to throw out one more thing that I watched, which was um, uh, I watched the Banshees of Inishirin with Colin Farrell. I've seen that preview. How was it? Do not watch at any costs. All it right. is the story of um, uh, two friends in this small Irish town. It takes place in the 1800s, okay. maybe 1900s. Not important um, when it takes place. But it's the idea of these two friends in this small town. One morning, one of the, uh, one of the pair wakes up and decides, I don't want to be your friend anymore because I find you boring. I'm going to die one day and I don't want to spend the last years of my life listening to you drone on about boring <laughs> items. Right. First off, made me fear that one day you're going to leave me and go and do a Ron and Ron podcast. Um, but um, it, uh, it, it was one of those movies where there is absolutely no plot. 
Um, nothing happens. There is right. no score. Like one of the things that I know you could sit there and say, Brian, you're a simpleton, is that I do expect a story arc. Sure. I do expect somebody to lay out, okay, we're going to set up the situation. Here are the characters. Here's, you know, um, here's where they are. We're then going to have, a, you know, a moment of change when something happens. Here's the fallout. And then there's the resolution. You know, I do expect that story arc. This movie did not have it whatsoever. And um, it was basically uh, an hour and 45 minutes of one guy being like, I want to be your friend. And one guy being like, I don't want to be your friend anymore. And uh, if you continue to pester me, I'm going to start chopping off my fingers one at a time. All right. Well, I think I'm going yeah. to pass on that uh, one. Save yourself the time. Save yourself the effort. Um, but I do believe we had some more congratulations. Well, we do. And uh, you had mentioned we were going to have Matt uh, on the show tonight. Uh, he texted me to let me know that he's not going to be able to be on it. Uh, but he did get a, a cameo for us. Um, tad bit problematic. But, uh, I mean, he paid, the, he paid the money. So I think we should play it. Hi, this is Eddie Deason doing a cameo video. I want to congratulate my friends Ron and Brian on their 250th episode of their podcast. They helped me crack into the broadcast game and have always been my rock. They've never been ones to toot their own horn, so I want to blow it for them. Thank you so much, Ron and Brian. Happy anniversary. This is from your friend, Matt. I send you all my love. Take care. Bye. I hear cocaine. I hear cocaine in those words. There was a lot of cocaine references, which makes me worried about, uh, about what Matt is doing. He doesn't want to toot his own horn. We were his rock. Crack into the the bit. Just very transparent. Very transparent. Yeah. Janelle, I, I, I could not. Um, I think you and I are feeling the exact same things. Right. Which is um, we're, we are worried for Matt right now. We are worried for Matt Beaker. Should we play? We have one more. Congratulations. Should we play it or should we leave it for a little bit? I think we leave it for the last couple of minutes of the show, maybe possibly close out with it. All right. Sounds good. Uh, so what other stories do we have here? Oh, Brian, we've got an Oregon woman uh, who is going to prison for biting off the earlobe of a security guard. Um, sure. We've got her mugshot uh, right here. Um, so this young lady is Ashley Ruth Clark. You got to watch out when they've got three first names. Um, you know, you listen. You know, you know they're white when they have when they have when they post their middle name. The, the newspapers. <laughs> at, this is a, a gimmick that I've picked up on newspapers. When it is a white person that has been arrested, they use the middle name. When it is an African American or a Hispanic or another different ethnic group, they only use first and middle names. There is no need for us to know that her middle name is Ruth. Very true. Well, she was exiting the Nordstrom at Washington Square Mall in Tigard, Oregon, back on July Fancy. 22nd. Uh, she was nabbed with over $800 in merchandise. But as the guards attempted to recover the stolen goods, Clark physically resisted arrest, began shouting obscenities, and then in the middle of the struggle, bit one of the guards' earlobes, tearing off at least half an inch of flesh, uh, the victim was taken to a hospital where medical professionals were unable to reattach her earlobe. Uh, officials said that when the police arrested Clark, she gave a false name and date of birth to the officers who realized 
that she had two outstanding warrants for her arrest. Um, she pled guilty to second degree assault and first degree attempted robbery. And she'll be spending the next five years behind bars. Good. She um, she belongs um, in jail. And I'm also going to say one thing. Um, she looks like the kind of woman that would clean up pretty well. But she also looks like the kind of woman that would put out on the first date and then steal your wallet while you were sleeping. That is uh, very specific. I feel I feel like you may have uh, experience in this. No, absolutely not. Um, I am. Uh, uh, I've never been that fortunate as to have a prostitute steal my wallet while I was sleeping. All right. Fair enough. Uh, have you ever paid a uh, prostitute $900 or was that just in a strip club? Um, I have never actually paid a prostitute anything. I've never been with a prostitute. Um, I have been to strip clubs and spent way too much money. Um, uh, the level of shame you wake up or I wake up um, <laughs> after a night at a strip club is something that I do not ever wish to um, replicate in my lifetime. Yeah. I have never walked out of a strip club and said, that was money well spent. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, and this just tells you just where I am um, for uh, most of my life, is the fact that I've always wa walked out of the strip club more obsessed with the amount of money I spent right. than the experience that I received, which tells you right, right off the bat, I've never been to a strip club where I really, truly enjoy the experience. I'm with you. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I look at strip clubs so and gambling in much the same way. Where you oh, leave, no. oh, you leave no, broke no. and unsatisfied no. at the end of the day. Oh no, my friend. Oh no, you cannot compare strip clubs to gambling. Gambling, no. you are you are paying for the rush, the <laughs> rush, the rush. Earlier today, Miami, Texas, um, the Elite Eight in the NCAA um, uh, 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 tournament, tie score with two minutes left in the game. Miami getting three and a half points from Texas. Oh, I was on the seat. I was on the edge of that seat. I needed Miami to cover. They were getting three and a half points. They won the whole game. And as a result, I did not lose a massive amount of money. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you something, buddy. You cannot compare gambling to strip clubs. Though I will remind you, there was one time when I went to visit you in Philly and you took me to, or excuse me, your friend, uh, I believe his name was Harvey, took us to a strip club. Um, where uh, you, you were supposed to uh, crinkle up your dollar bill into a ball and throw it throw at it. the strippers. And I remember sitting there being like, this is the most um, uh, uh, just, just horrible behavior I've ever seen. And just watching these grown men just literally throw dollar bills across the room. So uh, next story, we've got two wives who turned a man into police over child right. sex abuse images, uh, but a glitch kept him from being charged up until now um this uh this gentleman's name is ryan rovito age 34 of redding california he is accused of felony possession of child pornography and syrup i've drunk way too much to say that word uh recording after his wife turned over to police a camera she found hidden in the couple's guest bathroom and a hard drive in 2018 his previous wife also went to authorities and reported that he had photos of prepubescent juveniles on his computer oh. however that case got lost in a new software system and didn't make it until the make it to the DA's office until this past November. 
So for four years, this guy's mm-hmm. case gets lost. He gets remarried and he is still uh, passing around child pornography. Why is it always that um, there's always hard drives and thumb drives involved? Why, you know, I always notice when well, I don't it comes think you to want to keep that kind of stuff into, on the cloud. Like you're not going to put it's it on your It's never in the cloud. Yeah. Nope. And it's never on your hard drive. It's never on your computer. They're not taking laptops. They're always taking zip drives, thumb drives, external hard drives, floppy disks. You want me to three play three and a half right. inch floppy disks? That's fine. Five and a quarter it. inch floppy disks. But this time's gotta stop. All right, we'll play it once for episode 250. Um, Come on, this is episode to... two. We have been doing, this is our 250th episode. I don't it know, is. man. Should we be doing our retrospective at this moment? I know that you had well, said let's... to me, type up your notes. I want to know, how do you feel about having done 250 episodes? Um, so let's do, do this. We do it we, now? We've got... We've got one more recording of congratulations. Um, our okay. good friend, uh, William Esquire, um, had this recorded. And I'd like to, you know, I, let's talk about William Esquire for a moment. I, I don't want to call sure. it a show secret because we, we've never intentionally not talked about it. But not a lot we of people realize, not a lot of people realize that William Esquire um, lost the ability to speak at a young age um, when yep. he was, he was hit with a wayward steel chair shot yep. um, at a uh, pay-per-view sure. at the old ECW arena in South sure. I believe Philadelphia. It was Don, I believe it was Don Morocco that threw that chair. Maybe um, Sabu, I'm not sure. Um, and despite, you know, despite that, uh, that disability, you know, he went on to graduate um, 587th in his class in law school, which, you know, listen, people make fun of him for, but you know what the old joke is, Brian, uh, you know what you call someone who gets all D's in law school? Um, hold on a second. What do I call somebody who gets all D's in law school? Well, the joke is you probably don't call them unless they do a lot of advertising on like billboards and things like that. But because William can't talk, he gets these videos recorded for us and he has gotten Rough and Rowdy's own Bobby Lights Out Lang uh, to uh, give us a little bit of congratulations. What's up? It's your boy Lights Out Lang. Ron and Brian, congratulations on the 250th episode of your podcast. Listen, I'm not a big podcast listener myself, but I feel like... Maybe I should fucking check you guys out. 250 episodes, that's kind of a big deal. Seems like you guys fucking are doing good, fucking hitting all the hard topics, you know, keeping the fucking thing rolling. Now, Brian, you're the 51% majority owner. That's pretty impressive, man. I got to give it to you. Uh, So I don't know if you're going to take the company public or anything sometime soon, but, I mean, you're the one sitting in the fucking, you know, exec chair making all the big decisions now, majority owner, so... Fucking, uh, I don't know, man. Keep doing what you're doing. But uh, what's up? I'm reading this thing. You guys lost a bunch of money on Labor Smart Stock. Listen, I've lost a bunch of money on March Madness, all right? I'm getting fucking smoked. I can't I can't pick a winner if my life depended on it, all right? I'm, I'm getting fucking smoked right now. Haven't hit a bet this entire fucking month. Um, so, yeah, I know, I know what it's like to lose. Um, but yeah, fucking keep doing what you're doing and, you know, maybe have me on the pop, 
on the uh, podcast someday. Champ out of here. Peace. So I'm going to go out on a limb, and uh, I think he might be from the Boston area. Okay, I'm going to say this, and this is one of the things where I feel like you and I have um, like I like like one of the highlights for me during for me one of the highlights for me during the pandemic was watching the rough and rowdy boxing pay per views with you and William Esquire when. Um, we would watch the uh, it, it, and at the time it was an innocent, you know, it was an innocent time. You know, sure. we were all just hiding in our homes while there was a there was a virus that was spreading in society. Apparently not in West Virginia where they no. were having um, hand to hand combat. Um, but uh, we would watch the rough and rowdy. We would bet on uh, the card and um, the uh, the winner would have their uh uh, pay-per-view costs covered. Um, you know, now we look at it and we're like, no, you know what? That was um, problematic. You know, barstool sports, you know, it's, it's not a, uh, hmm, it's not an organization that really promotes the values that you and I do. Um, it very much is the voice of um, uh, fraternity America. Uh, you're all right there. You seem to be. Yeah, yeah I'm fine. Stuck. I'm, good. Right. I'm good. What's um, interesting however, for me, yes. for me, for what's me. Interesting is yes. Bobby Lang's nickname is Lights Out. Um, Lights Out. Which, uh-huh. ironically, in college, Brian, I believe your nickname was Lights Out, uh, but you were also very heavily into autoerotic asphyxiation then. So I think it's two different things. Listen, I've, you know, I've always said, um, you know, one of the reasons why you have a roommate in college is so that this way, when your face starts turning purple and you are no longer tapping onto your um, your belt wrapped around your throat as you're masturbating in your closet, um, I think that at that moment, like, you know, um, listen, lights out. That's what they called me. And it was a, it was a wonderful memory. Listen, we again, we we don't like to kink shame people here on the Ron and Brian podcast. It has been that's been our way since episode one. It's sure. the same right here as episode two fifty. Listen, I'm going to say this, and 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 listen, I don't think that there, you know, it's it's a scientific fact that when um when I was you know when you are not masturbating, um, uh, with a uh, a belt wrapped around your throat, you're producing less than a teaspoon of ejaculate. Um, However, when I have a belt wrapped around my throat and I'm masturbating while dangling from the uh, post in my closet, I'll tell you something, almost a full tablespoon. Really? All right. Well, every time. (laughs) Any other stories we want to get to before we do our, uh, our retrospective? Oh, uh are you are, are are you trying to tap out right now? No, how I'm have not, we? Okay. I don't want to yeah. tap out. I'm just trying. I don't know how long oh, your no, no, perspective no. is going to Listen. be because I know you can be very um, verbose at times. Sure. So I just Ron. want to make sure we leave enough time for you to give your 250th episode manifesto. Ron, unlike in bed, um, during the podcast, I can go on forever. 
<laughs> I'm sure you can, my friend. I'm sure you can. We did not yet talk something. about. But we didn't. We did not talk. What I would like to talk about is the recent congressional hearings oh. on TikTok. Yeah. Ron? That was uh so I mean I you know I begrudgingly admit that I do like myself some TikTok. I know so do that I. you are a fan of the TikTok. Of course. Um and uh, apparently there is an issue uh because you know uh TikTok apparently it's its main company is is based in China. Uh so TikTok CEO Xiao Zichu uh was in front of uh, the House Energy and Commerce Committee on Thursday, um, which only which uh, let's let's be brutally honest, right? Only gets the cream of the crop of Congress people, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, I don't know that we learned anything. I think we just saw politicians no, we did learn something on both sides. Well, I think we both we we learned that there are a bunch of politicians that don't understand the internet. Uh, there are a bunch of politicians that don't understand Tic Tac, as it was called by some of them. And there are a bunch of politicians that don't understand that Singapore and China are two different entities. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What we what I learned during the um, hearings was that we have a lot of Congress people. And keep in mind, this was a House committee. So it was dominated by Republicans. True. They have the majority stake and they have, they control the direction of any type of committee hearing. But um, what you saw or what, what, what the, what the population saw was um, in my opinion, and obviously we're just talking about my opinion, sure. Ron, you tell me if you, if you walked away with the same thing, but it felt like there were, politicians that were on that committee who were more interested with capturing a soundbite of them speaking harshly to the CEO of TikTok with the goal of using that soundbite for um, their re-election uh, uh, campaign uh, materials. It, it was, there it was, was soundbites, it was video clips. It was, yeah, it was, it was nonsense at the end of the day. I don't know that we, I mean, they, they did not um, allow the, the TikTok CEO to answer a lot of questions. Sure. Uh, but they, a lot of the he questions wasn't were there. irrelevant. He, he wasn't there to answer questions. He was there to be a, um, a punching bag for the politicians that were guaranteed their time to speak and to talk about their, um, you know, their stance. And the truth be told is, I mean, you, like you, you, you mentioned earlier, some of those politicians genuinely came across as not having an understanding of how the internet works. Right. There were a, a large number of them who, as they were talking, um, and, and I, I feel like this is where the TikTok CEO genuinely um, did himself a service, which was um, the, the worry here, or, or it seems like the case against TikTok is that it is owned by a Chinese company. Right. But the truth be told is the access to user data by TikTok is exactly the same as the access to user data by Facebook, Correct. by Google, 
by Twitter, all these other social Instagram. media companies. Yeah. Well, Instagram is meta. Let's be let's be really honest. Um, but like the argument he kept trying to make was we have access to no other ac- uh, uh, information that our competitors don't. And yet, because they are owned by a Chinese company, they are being portrayed as a national threat to security. But somehow, by that same logic, we are all perfectly okay with Meta, which owns Facebook and Instagram, to be able to see everything on our on, on our cell phones. Um, well, we're yeah, perfectly okay with Elon Musk at Twitter having access to everything on our cell phone. But somehow, because TikTok is owned by a Chinese company, we're like, ooh, hold on a second. Now we have a problem. Um, but I don't, I don't just- get what China is going to learn from me from my TikTok usage that they can't learn a uh, hundred other ways. Like, oh, well, one of this- the things it's go- well, it's going to learn. Let's let's be brutally honest, Ron. It's going to learn. I mean, if China were to pull up your um, TikTok account, right, it would learn right off the bat that you have a quote unquote friend on TikTok. Who likes to send you forwards of videos of people with physical disformities? I mean, you you do try to pervert my uh, my FYP, as the kids call it. But what are they going to find out? They're going to find out I like cat videos. Uh, they're sure. going to find out I like uh, cooking videos. Um, and 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 you know, there were a number of people protesting outside of Congress that have used the the TikTok platform to grow their business, uh, sure. comedians, small business, um, podcasts. I mean, you, you podcast. You look at some of these food reviewers. Like I, I I follow Keith Lee a lot. He's based out of Las Vegas. He gives a positive review for a restaurant, and you know. He's literally saved small businesses by mm-hmm. providing positive reviews for for restaurants and other places on TikTok, and it's but, just, I, I again, and your point is is a hundred percent correct. Like, if you if you are utilizing anything on the internet, anything, an app on your phone, mm-hmm. you have to do so under the assumption that anyone can view what you're doing. Yeah. And, and if I you're mean, not handling it. it that way, then that's your fault. And sure. if you are if you are a parent now, I will say, I, I think that there is more that social media companies can do to protect children. I think there are, is more that social media companies can do to protect to protect the, you know, the disadvantaged people in, in, mm-hmm. in the population. But I don't know that necessarily banning an entire platform because you don't like who they're owned by uh, is is necessarily that's, a step in the right direction. But see, that's what it boils down to. I mean, it, it's it's your um, standard, um, uh, 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 what's the term when you uh, uh, fear another group? Um, uh, it's uh, xenophobia. Xenophobia. That's exactly what's going on, is the fact that Facebook is, um, at, Facebook is paying their lobbyists to pay off Congress to somehow um, promote this concept that TikTok is dangerous because it's owned by a Chinese company. But nowhere in there is the argument that TikTok has access to information 
that Facebook is not also gathering. Like that is at the heart of this entire argument, which is the fact of China bad, America good, right. where, you know, at the end of the day, what you're looking at is we're not okay with the Chinese company stealing our data, but we're totally okay if Facebook does it. We're totally okay if Elon Musk is tracking our um, uh, web usage on our cell phones um, so that he can sell it to advertisers. That's all right. He's only Elon Musk. He's an American. We, he's a citizen. We love him. But heaven forbid the Chinese government know that I like to look up, you know, different things on my on my phone. And what's what's you know what's also interesting is there was a, a video clip I saw a couple of weeks back about one of these one of these uh, House representatives. I don't know if it was a GOP or Democrat. I don't think it matters, but addressing a room full of, you know, television and network executives and talking mm -hmm. about TikTok and saying about how the average American watches TikTok for, I think it was like an hour and 45 minutes every day. And the comment that this politician made to these network executives was, you know, wouldn't you guys like to have those eyeballs on your platforms an sure. additional hour and 45 minutes a day. So now I'm yeah. left to determine, is this actually a security risk? Is this actually something no. that's being driven because of a security risk? Or are there other entities that Correct. are lobbying the United States government because this is low hanging fruit, you know, China bad, US good, you know, sure. let's, let's, let's close down the China owned company so we can get American eyeballs back on cable TV or network TV or meta or Twitter or whatever else is out there. The very fact that after TikTok really, and it was, it was post pandemic, the very fact that, that TikTok really launched in terms of popularity um, post pandemic in terms of these, you know, short one minute video uh, loops, as I would like to call it, um, that um, Instagram, Facebook um, uh, all came out with their own version of it. Sure. You know, you have the Facebook reels, you have the Instagram reels, you have the Twitter real <laughs> but it is it is just the everything's gotta stop but but I it's mean, just it's it's literally like each one of these competitive social media entities or apps or whatever you want to call it all sat there and said hey wait a second if you're looking to put together a one minute video you can use our platform as well and people did not go back to Facebook. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of the things that I think that is, um, is hugely important in this conversation and does not seem to be really um, uh, uh, talked about is there's a gigantic number of uh, American citizens that will never use Facebook as oh, their sure. primary social media. That Facebook is what their parents or parents' parents use. Right communicate with each other. Um, there's a segment of people that like to use Instagram and will right. never use something else. The truth of the matter is, is that Facebook was not interested in having you post that you were at a restaurant with your best friend. TikTok did not care that you were feeling sad about the end of a show that you were watching. Um, 
Instagram is basically, or what, the way it made it, it's, it's, it's bones was it was, you would post a photograph. Right. It was a photo album, basically. It was a, yeah, exactly where TikTok was. We are the, we, we are a short one minute video. And I think well, TikTok, was, it TikTok was YouTube for the ADHD crowd. Sure. But it resonated with everybody because, you know, how many times have you gone onto YouTube and looked up a video and said, oh, this video looks interesting. That's 16 minutes long. Hey, I don't have that kind of time in my day. So, yeah, when TikTok first, you know, Ron, came. Yes. Ron, yeah. I, I, I tap out if I see that the video is six minutes long. <laughs> what are you talking about? 16. I don't have six minutes to watch a video. But, but what give TikTok me, did was TikTok realized, you know, you could I'm consume done. so much, so much, yeah. you know, content sure, in 30 sure. minute little shots and people liked it and people have really grown like you said if you want to reach millennials and you want to reach gen z you're on tiktok sure you're not on i mean twitter and and facebook are not hitting these growing populations um of the uh of the of the buying public so that's why so many small businesses have come to depend on tiktok and I, i think it's just a bad idea to ban it again you go online, you take the responsibility for what's going to happen to your behavior online, whether you send an email, whether you but use social media, whether you post a podcast, whatever it is, you're responsible for what you do on, on the internet. I would say this, hold TikTok to the same standard that you hold any other social media organization right. company to. If TikTok is taking more issue or more um, access to somebody's um, you know, background or, or, or use on their phones or devices. Okay. Restrict them. Right. But the idea of ban them while allowing a Facebook to collect all your other personal data sh- just to me shows the utter hypocrisy of the argument. I mean, it absolutely is about that. TikTok is a Chinese company and, and Facebook is an American company. I mean, there's no way, no, there's, there's absolutely no two ways to look at that. Yeah. Um, um, also, let's be brutally honest. I mean, if I want to watch Corgi videos, I'm going <laughs> to TikTok. Right. Absolutely. You know, like if, if I want to sit there and be like avocado oil, grapeseed oil, going to TikTok, you know. Eh. I've learned so many new cooking trips, but tips by watching TikTok. It's incredible. Sure. Sure, sure. Well, Brian, sure. we have gone two hours. I mean, this has truly, without a doubt, been yep. a, uh, a mega episode. Um, so let's uh, let's kind of uh, give a quick retrospective on our thoughts of the past 250 episodes. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I would like you to go first. I, I always glean a lot of wisdom from your words. Okay. That scares the shit out of me. Um, Ron, I go back five years in my life. Um, uh, hold on. Uh, Billy has a question, and we say we're going to answer the questions. How's that beer hitting you? Oh, I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. There's no I'm, two ways around it, my friend. I am drunk. I'm worried that I have a girlfriend in the other room right now who's going to have to deal with drunk me after I uh, finish this episode. I got, I got to, I got to take my dog out and bring her back in and then manage to get changed. It's going to be, it's going to be a a rough, a rough post show for me, but please you go, my friend. 
Okay. Uh, it was, uh, I'm going to call it short of five years. So it feels like five years we were in um, Albany for the, yeah. the uh, reunion. Um, and I'm just going to say this and God damn it. I'm going to be, I'm going to be genuine here. I'm going to be absolutely genuine. Um, it was five years ago, or, uh, uh, give or take a couple of weeks or months. Um, I, I'll never forget. There was a day I was recovering from a, um, uh, an arm break. I remember sitting on my uh, uh, reclining chair with my feet up. I was home alone. Um, I had my arm in a sling with a broken bone. Um, to say that I was not feeling good about myself um, and the place that I was at is an understatement. Um, I remember over the course of an evening, um, you reached out to me on Facebook, I believe it was, um, cause we had not exchanged phone numbers or whatnot, but, um, we hadn't spoken in a long time. And I remember, um, over the course of, of many years, people pointing out to me that there was a Facebook group called where is Brian Perlis that you had started and other people from our old radio station, WCDB Albany had chimed in and been like, um, oh my gosh, uh, I'm sure he's out there somewhere. Um, and I remember, uh, and I think it was Facebook, like we reconnected and had exchanged a couple comments and, uh, you know, back and messages, I guess is the term you want to use. And I remember there was a, um, I'll never forget it. I was sitting on my couch with my broken arm, my arm in a sling. I, uh, I was, uh, I was drinking alone. I'm not going to hide it. Not going to pretend that I was in a good place. And I remember you texted me and said, hey, they're doing a um, they're doing a reunion weekend up at Albany for the radio station. Do you want to go? And I hadn't seen you in, I don't know, let's like all joking aside, over 10 years. Yeah. They're like 15. More. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a uh it was a truly uh uh not not an acceptable amount of time. You know, um, I I had gone through a period of, of, of time in my life where I, I was not happy with the life that I was leading, and I did not want to expose it to people that I um, that I valued. Um, I did not want to see that. I did not want them to see me the way that I was living. So I cut them out of my life. And, you know, time goes by, you start leading the life you want to live or you leave the life that life offers you. And, um, and I remember we reconnected and we were, you were like, Albany, they're doing a reunion weekend. Do you want to go? And I remember sitting there, just, I didn't hesitate. I, I, I felt absolutely no, um, uh, no moment of this is a bad idea. I just sat there and said, send me the link. Let me sign up. Um, and within minutes of you sending me that link, I signed up for a ticket for that reunion weekend. Um, you said right off the bat, I've got the hotel reservations. Don't worry about it. Um, I will use my industry um, connections. And, um, you know, I think from there we, you know, uh, you know, uh, there was some back and forth in terms of communications and whatnot, but it wasn't, it wasn't um, uh, predictive of what was going to happen, which was um, uh, you and I uh, meeting up. I think we met at the at the train station. Picked up at the train station. Yep. You yep. picked me up at the train station, and what I remember so so literally explicitly 
was I had not seen you in so many years, and yet sitting in your car, it immediately felt comfortable. It immediately felt like there was no time had passed. This was um, the same uh, relationship with a human being that I had had 15 years earlier when I was in school. And we drove to Albany. We checked in. We went to the WCDB event. We looked at each other and said, this is fucking ridiculous. Get the fuck out of here. We went to a bar. We got drunk. Um and what I remember was that weekend we signed up for um, uh, like a, a, a three o'clock a.m. radio show because right. they were doing an alumni weekend and we signed up for it. And it was just almost just like, um, you know what? Fuck them all. Let's show them that we can do it. And um, I had literally no belief that we were going to be able to do a radio show and we did four fucking hours. And to sit there and now fast forward um, five years to the point. And I, Facebook reminded me five years, you know, Facebook yep. reminded me yeah. five years ago, you have a memory with Ron, you know, and uh, and uh, Scott. Um, and uh, and to sit there and be like, oh, my God, that was five years ago. And yet I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I cannot imagine a life without you daily where I have like throughout multiple times of every day. I can't think of a day that's gone by that I have not reached out to you over something, you know, whether it be a news story or my Wordle score or like, like no matter what it is, just the idea to have you in my life um, makes my life more complete. And for that, I want to say I thank you and I love you. I love you too. I mean, I'll go back to uh, 1992 in Albany when uh, I mean we were we were on the radio station together, but we really I don't know if we we didn't really hadn't met, we didn't really know each other. No, and you then, were doing a jazz show, I was doing, doing a rock show. Yeah. yeah, and so there was you know there was a party. I don't think you had the that apartment yet. I think it was still Holly's apartment, sure. Sure. Um, and you know we just ended up sitting near each other and talking and literally like just something clicked and we just started literally just busting the balls of every single person around us. And I just remember at that point, somebody was like, you fucking guys should do a show together. Sure. And then, you know, I I wish I remembered who it was. Yeah. I I have no idea. We said, I don't remember who it was, Uh, but I remember somebody saying that. But, you know, but somehow we convinced the uh, the uh, the leadership of the college radio station to give us a one day a week, um, you know, talk one show. hour a week, one too. hour a week. We did two hours, yeah. actually, two hours um, yes. at I like we, 7 a.m. Yeah. on Wednesdays, seven to nine. Yep. And, you know, we went a little over the top, you know, much like Sisyphus. We flew too close to the sun and we burned up. Sure. And, you know, then I graduated and, you know, we kept in touch for a little bit. And then you, 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 you went off, you went off the grid, as we like to say. Um, And then you reappeared like, uh, like a Phoenix from the flames. I'm going to get very uh, mythical here. Uh, And I will tell you something. Had you not gone to that reunion in 2018, I don't think I would have gone because there Mm -hmm. was no reason for me to go. We went. 
I picked you up at the radio station at sure. the train station. And like you said, we just reconnected. We ended up doing four or five hours sure. on the radio show. And then I was just like, why don't we just do a fucking podcast? Sure. I had no sure. idea what was involved. Yeah. But we were like, yeah. Everybody has podcasts. We can do this. Um, and to your point, you have been, you have been a consistent fixture in my life since then. And my life is better because of it. I, um, first off, thank you for saying that. It means a lot to me because I genuinely, you are, you are one of the, you are my, one of my favorite people on this planet. So to hear you say something similar to me, and I know you didn't actually use those words, but I'm going to pretend you did. Um, <laughs> but it was like, t- like the thing that really struck out to me was just how within minutes of you and I being put in the same um, room together, it was as if no time had transpired. Right. And that is one of the things that I say to my friends or people that I genuinely value as my friends over over the life, which is the fact of um, it's it's about quality and not quantity, which is the fact that I may go a year without speaking to you. But when I speak to you, when if we can automatically connect and like that's the value that is the right. that is the value of our relationship and i remember you know like you driving me from uh rensselaer or wherever the fuck the train station is up there um into albany it was within minutes i was just like oh yeah this this feels comfortable again you know well, and, and and when we when we sat down to do our radio show it literally had been 25 years yeah. since we had yeah. done a radio show together sure and Again, we were penciled in for an hour mm-hmm. and at the end of every hour, when we knew there was no one there to relieve us, we were like, mm-hmm. I guess we're doing another hour. And then we but do don't another you hour. Feel, and then we do another don't hour. You, but don't you feel that the cosmos or Bill McCann or whatever you want to point the finger at, don't you feel that that was it was done for a reason. Oh, there was yeah. a reason that he did not offer us the six to seven hour, knowing that somebody was coming on at seven a.m. He offered us the three a.m. spot. Personally, I think to fuck us because he didn't well, and, like us. And that's what's hilarious is he definitely wanted to try to fuck us. He was sure. at first he was probably like, "Well, I'll offer these guys a shit time frame, and they probably won't take it." Not only did we take it, we took advantage of it because no one else showed up for another four or five hours. Oh, I remember explicitly us. Uh, I remember reaching out to him when um, we were up in Albany. And we got to the radio station and we found out that the alumni were able to go on the air and do radio shows that weekend. And I reached out to him. I remember I reached out to him, which is odd considering how within the power dynamic, you take control of everything. (laughs) But I remember I reached out to him and I said, listen, if there is a window where Ron and I could come on and do a talk show, we would absolutely love to do it. And I knew right off the bat that he was not thrilled with it because I got back a response of, well, you know, slots are really, you know, filling up. But, you know, like if there's a place where I can fill you guys in, you know, I will. And, you know, let me get back to you. And I immediately sat sat there and I was just like, he's blowing us off, you know, whatever. And then I remember like, you know, hours went by and he wrote back and he was just like, listen, 
I can I can fit you guys in for like 3 a.m. to 4 a.m. Saturday night. And I just I, I didn't even run it by you. I wrote back to him. I said, we'll take it. Yep. And then I said to you, hey, we got three to four. And you literally wrote me back being like three to four. And I was like, yes, we are. We are going to wake up in the middle of the fucking night. We're going to get some coffee. We're going to get some donuts. And we are going to do a radio show between 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. And what I remember explicitly was us walking in to the radio station in Albany on the campus of SUNY Albany, walking in at like 2.30, groggy. If I remember correctly, we were in, we were rough. We, we were like in rough shape. Sleep. Yeah, Very little sleep. We had gone out drinking to the old college bars and whatnot. Um, and um, what I remember explicitly was trying to hit on some of the twinks that were um, at the bars. And they were just like, listen, you old fruit. No, not at all. Um, all joking aside. Um, but what I remember is we walked in and we were just like, oh, it's too early in the morning. And then looking at the schedule and realizing that it was wide open until No one seven. was coming in. Like there was nobody coming in after us. And we just sat there. And I remember looking at you and being like, four hour show. And you looked at me and you were just like, oh, yeah. And we had not done, we had not, we had, we had barely spoken for 15 years. And we had the arrogance that we were going to be able to do four hours of talk radio. And we did it it. with ease as if like no time had transpired. It's a, it's a great memory. It's a great time. Um, And kind of like you always say, you know, the best thing about this podcast is uh, I get to have a conversation with my best friend each and every week. I I look forward to it. I look forward to it every week. Um, it's just it's just the idea that no matter what happens during the week and, and we've gone through several, you know, different iterations of the sure. podcast, we, you know, sure. we started on Mondays. I know at one point we were doing Thursdays, but, you know, the idea right now that we are doing a live stream every Sunday night. You know, um, you know, we've had to change it up a couple of times because, sure. you know, of, of, of plans that we make on the weekend and whatnot. But it's just the idea you know, the very fact that we have got some friends of ours who will join us live during the show and comment the heck out of it. We've we've highlighted a bunch of, of, of their good comments. Let's be honest. They add a lot of value to the show. Sure. Like to me, there is so much fun out of sitting here talking to you and then a comment pops up, whether, you know, like regardless of who it comes from. But a comment pops up where you know uh, we'll 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 sit there and put it up and whatnot and talk about it. Um, you know, like 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 it's it's not just the fact of you and I talking to each other, but it's also the fact that we've got some people who are who are also setting aside their Sunday nights to join us and right. to watch live so that they can participate yeah. in real time. That and means people, so much to me. Yeah. And for the people that are watching on YouTube right now, I mean, is there anything that you enjoy better um, than watching Ron and Brian? Oh, Janelle says she likes old white men better than one. All right. Well, I mean, that's fair. You know, again, we don't we don't kink shame around here. Sure. Well, Brian, uh, it's been fantastic doing 250 episodes. I look forward to at least another 250 episodes. Um, and, and however many, however long we can stretch this out. Like there, there has been the comment, like, why have you, 
why why how have you guys been able to do 250 episodes and when when it's when you're doing it with someone like yourself um that you love for and care about it's sure. extremely easy uh to do something like this 250 times i um i can't wait to do the next 250 episodes with you buddy all right same here anything else or should we wrap this up because uh, we're both kind of drunk right now how else do we end it other than expressing our eternal love for each other? There you go. Well, thank you to everyone that has joined us today, that has joined us at any point over the previous 249 episodes. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week. You'll never find another love just like mine. A one who loves you. I feel like we should do the, the Jerry Lewis. And you'll never walk alone. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I never got that deep in the Jerry Lewis Memorial Day um, muscular dystrophy telethon. Understood. I was too busy. Being a champ. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Episode 250. We're out of here. Thank you for joining us on the Ron and Brian podcast. We're live each week on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. You can find prior episodes, links to our social media, and everything else Ron and Brian at ronandbrianpodcast.com. See you again next week.